So today we're honored to have Dr. Seho on the line with us to discuss her paper entitled Good Long-Term Outcome of Bud-Chiari Syndrome with a Stepwise Management. This paper was published in the May issue of Hepatology, and it's the topic of our discussion today. So welcome, Dr. Seho. We're glad to have you on board with us today to discuss your study. When we look at Bud-Chiari Syndrome, we recognize that it's a rare life-threatening disease that's caused by obstruction of hepatic venous outflow. And some of the problems that we've had with Bud-Chiari syndrome are trying to sort out the long-term prognosis of patients with this disease. And then, in addition, what's the right stepwise management to evaluate and treat patients with Bud-Chiari syndrome? And I think the purpose of your study, ultimately, was to try to put together some prospective information with a decent amount of follow-up so that we could generate some decent long-term outcomes of patients with Bud-Chiari syndrome that were treated with various modalities along the way. And I think your study did an elegant job of that. Just in review, you guys enrolled 157 patients prospectively, and you followed these patients for a mean of 50 months. 56% of patients had at least one intervention. Most of those interventions were TIPS or liver transplantation. And ultimately, 23% died. Most interventions or deaths occurred within two years of diagnosis. Before I go on, I'd like to turn it back over to you, Dr. Seho, and See if you have any initial comments related to uh, your study. Okay, thank you. First of all, I would like to thank your invitation to participate in this podcast. As you say, our our aim to perform this study was the current knowledge of the survival of or prognosis of Bacchiari syndrome was based in mainly old and retrospective studies with a mainly a small sample size, and this patient was also included during a long period of time, so the management of this patient was very heterogeneous. So the main aim of our study was to uh, prospective collect some patients who this patient also was managed with a very homogeneous uh, stepwise management. So this was performed because many years ago, in 2009, our international initiative that was called MV was able to prospective collect a large cohort of patients with Bacchiari syndrome that was diagnosed in only two years, and all the centers received uh, guidelines regarding diagnosis, tests, and management, so the patients were homogeneously treated. So the aim of this study was to assess the long-term of outcome and identify prognosis factors in a recent cohort of patients with Bacchiari syndrome that were managed homogeneously. As you said, 56% 56% of our patients receive at least one invasive treatment. And as we can see in, in figure one, most of our patients receive a stepwise management. I start with uh, medical therapy and I step up with uh, invasive therapy as an angioplasty, thrombolysis, or tips. And only we have to highlight that only a small percentage of patients receive directly a shunt or a liver transplant as a rescue therapy of, of a medical treatment. Yeah, I think figure one kind of summarizes your study outline pretty well. 
overall 88% received long-term anticoagulation. And interestingly, roughly 70 patients, 69 patients, did not receive invasive treatments. And of those 69, I want to spend a little bit of time kind of building your story around those that did not receive invasive treatment. Ultimately, 20 of those 69 patients died. When yeah. you go back and you, you look and you talk about this in your discussion, you used this stepwise management based on the Rotterdam score, and then you ultimately created your own score as well. Can you take us through what, first of all, there, there may be some listeners who don't know what the Rotterdam score is, and we know that it, it was published in 2004 in hepatology. It's based on encephalopathy, ascites, prothrombin time, and bilirubin, and it predicts intervention-free survival. There's a couple different classes as well. Can you take us through how you used that score and how that, was that used to help determine if invasive treatment was needed in your study? The Rotterdam score was, as you said, it was developed in 2004, a group in, in Rotterdam, and has three classes that, uh, that properly differentiate three classes of patients with uh, different prognosis. But the difference between that study and our study was the different treatment employed. Because uh, in our study, the tips and the liver transplant are most frequent than in that study. So we evaluate all the baseline characteristics, all the baseline factors in our cohort of patients, and we, we develop by multivariate analysis which was the best variable at diagnosis who can predict which was the patient who, had, who will have the, the bad outcome, define as a death or, or need an invasive treatment. And we, we saw that the Rotterdam score was the best variable who can predict this bad outcome in our patients. The problem or the limitation of the Rotterdam score was that includes subjective variables, hepatic encephalopathy or variables that are influenced by anticoagulation and patients with Bukiadi syndrome needs long-term anticoagulation, so that prevents that Rotterdam score can be easily used in those patients. So we develop a new score using only objective variables and not uh, influenced by anticoagulation variables, and we developed the new score that works or has this, a similar discriminative capacity than the, than the Rotterdam. Yeah, so that's we, called the BEAST, the Bud-Chiari Syndrome Intervention-Free Survival Prognostic Score, and mm -hmm. that includes ascites, creatinine, and bilirubin, correct? Correct. Okay, and, and ultimately the area under the receiver operator characteristic curve was 0 .0 or 0 0.82, which was very similar to the Rotterdam score, but yeah. as you noted, it did not include some of the, uh, the measurements that can be altered in the setting of somebody with Bud-Chiari syndrome, particularly if they're anticoagulated, the INR might be off because of the anticoagulation, so it could skew the Rotterdam score. And that's mm -hmm. part of the, I guess, the bonus or the benefit of your new BCIS score, correct? Correct. So tell me a little bit about how you talk a lot about stepwise management. Can you explain the stepwise 
management that you would recommend for patients based on the study results that you have here? Okay, for our patients, uh, we recommend start always by medical treatment. That means anticoagulation and diuretics or prevention of variceal bleeding with beta blockers or so on. Regarding the, the outcome of the patient, the response to the medical treatment, we recommend always to search for short, short length stenosis of the hepatic veins because this patient with short length stenosis of the hepatic veins on the inferior beta cava should be benefit from angioplasty. So we encourage all physicians to search for this short length stenosis because this patient has also a new paper from China demonstrate a good results with this technique. And if the patients will not respond to this therapy, we recommend to move on to the tips and reserve the liver transplant for those patients with no response to tips or for those with a fulminant liver failure. Okay. And how does your BCIS score or the Rotterdam score help you determine if you need to go to to thrombolysis or to stenting or to TIPS? Tell me uh, how you use that scoring system. When we have a new vacuary patient, we test for all these scores, and we this um, depends on the results. We think that this patient should be careful follow-up. This patient have a world at the higher scores. We think that this patient will show shortly follow-up. And if the patient do not improve with the medical treatment, we think that in those patients, we should move on faster to the next step than the other ones. Okay. So let me give you an example. So if you've got a patient that presents with acute bud Chiari syndrome, you initiate anticoagulation, diuretics, you look for variceal bleeding, that sort of thing, and you look at their Rotterdam score, for instance, at baseline before you anticoagulate them, and they have a score of 0 to 1.1. That's considered good prognosis. Let's say they're not that patient. They actually fall in the intermediate category where they have a score of 1.1 to 1.5 on the Rotterdam score. Are you still just going to anticoagulate that patient, or because of their intermediate score, are you going to go ahead and look for an invasive treatment, or do you really kind of still treat their their symptoms and follow them closely? At what point do you say this patient is not going to be managed just with anticoagulation, and really we need to provide invasive treatment earlier. Do you have a gestalt for that based on your data? This is an important question. It is difficult to to define which is the time to change our therapy. Unfortunately, our work doesn't answer this question because we don't have an homogeneous time to change the treatment. So the aim of our scores is just to identify those patients uh, with a bad prognosis and to identify them as uh, just to take a look, a close look to this patient and move on faster 
in the uh, stepwise management, but unfortunately we don't have an defined time to move on. I see. And I, I think we, this should be performed maybe in future studies and maybe in prospective one, but unfortunately we don't have uh, this time defined. Okay. What we do know from your study, however, is that the median time from diagnosis to TIPS was one month, with a range of zero to 38 months. In your data, you reflect uh, that 50% of TIPS were placed in the first month, 60% in the first three months, 73% in the first six months, and 84% in the first 12 months. So ultimately, if you went to invasive treatment with TIPS, and that was your main therapeutic modality for an invasive procedure, you tended to do the majority of those in the first three months. So what we don't have from your study is what their Rotterdam scores were that went on to TIPS, right? But ultimately, you just followed these patients closely, and the majority of them did seek invasive treatment pretty rapidly after their initial diagnosis. As we can see also from other studies, most events, uh, death or invasive treatment, occurs in the first two to five years after diagnosis. So it was the important thing to perform a long-term study. So in our study also, most of the events, uh, including deaths or deaths or transplant, also occurs in the first two years also, or liver transplant, 80% of patients underwent the transplant in the the first year, the same of TIPS. So the patients underwent the early TIPS, the finals, the first, during the first month had worse uh, Rotterdam score. Unfortunately, we don't have uh, the Rotterdam score just as the, the same name of TIPS in those patients that have a delayed TIPS. So okay. we can uh, just say that in patients with a worse uh, Rotterdam score at diagnosis move more rapidly to TIPS and in those without so severe disease at diagnosis, we should take into account that this patient maybe in the future will need also this procedure. We need to follow up this patient and take a look when they need these TIPS during the follow-up. But the important thing and that is that in those patients that perform the teams during the follow-ups have also a good prognosis, as we can see in our results. And one final question. If we go back to figure one and you look at the, the 69 patients that did not receive invasive treatment, 20 of those patients ultimately died. Was the Rotterdam score predictive of those that were going to have a bad outcome? This, uh, we try to define this population because we all centers uh, receive uh, some guidelines to management, but it's true that, that some patients did not underwent invasive therapy and have a bad outcome because uh, some patients died. In those patients, the TIPS score was the best variable to predict this bad outcome in those patients. However, the, the Rotterdam was good, but not good enough as the TIPS score. So I think a patient with Bacchiari syndrome should be tested for all this score, and we can decide based on that. We cannot perform one for one thing and one for another, but I think we can test everyone for every score, and after that we decide how close we should follow up this patient or how faster we can move on in the stepwise management in those patients. And that brings up a good point. We didn't we didn't touch on the the BCS tips.
prognostic yeah. index, but that predicts liver transplant-free survival in TIPS patients. And ultimately, that was strongly associated with survival and had discriminatory capacity, which was superior to the Rotterdam score. So I do think that's an important point to bring out. So in conclusion, uh, do you have any final thoughts you'd like to share with our listening audience today? Again, thank you very much for your time. Thank you very much for your invitation. I just want to thank you for this uh, time to discuss our work. And I just want to mention that the patients with Bacchiari syndrome have a good long-term outcome with this stepwise management. And that's all. Thank you. Okay. Thanks so much. We look forward to uh, further studies from your group in the future. Again, we are honored to have Dr. Seho with us today representing her group on the paper, Good Long-Term Outcome of Bud-Chiari Syndrome with a Stepwise Management. Thanks so much for your attention and have a great day.